Hey everybody and welcome to this edition of First and Foremost. I have Nate Esri with me today and um, I'm excited about this interview because uh, I met Nate through uh, my pastor and his wife and uh, Nate does insurance and uh, so I was I was talking to him he's like you need to podcast this guy he's he this is going to be a good podcast and just prior to starting we were having a conversation and uh, I think you're going to enjoy this. Nate, why don't you give us a little bit of detail, background about who you are, your life, where you're from, and that kind of stuff. All right. Um, my name's Nathan Esri. I'm with Missouri Farm Bureau Insurance, and I'm uh, originally from Texas. I was born and raised there, and my uh, my whole mom's side of the family lives down there. Moved up here for my dad, who's uh, actually a, a preacher. He <laughs> is a chaplain in the prison ministry. Oh, wow. And... Um, we moved up here uh, when I was like uh, four or five years old, and I've been in Missouri ever since. And um, I grew up on a little farm out by Herman, Missouri, okay. in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> farm boy, poor pastor for a day. Yeah, you know? right, yeah. Uh, all we did was farming and uh, played sports. Yeah. Basketball, yeah. baseball, track, whatever whatever I could imagine doing to get me away <laughs> from that farm, you know, and yeah. go through college. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I've uh, been a Missouri resident now for 29 years. Love yeah. it. Can't Love hardly. It. Can you even hardly say you're Texan now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like it never, it never goes away. It's like that's the one thing you get. Forever. There's a reason I cheer for the Cowboys. Right. I'm not sure why. But it's because I'm from Texas. I got you. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's been awesome. I'm married. Um, oh man, this year, this September, will be 10 years. Awesome. Um, Met the love of my life in college, and uh, we got three awesome little boys. Awesome. So I'm, I'm a blessed father and lucky husband. Cool. Now you said your dad was in in uh, is a uh, uh, a minister, mm-hmm. uh, preacher. So the question I have for you is like, uh, what did your mom do? Um, when I was younger, my mom was a stay at home mom, mm-hmm. raising four kids. Uh, and then as I got older and got into, you know, we started going to school. Um, she had worked a couple of, like, odd and jobs. She cleaned houses. She mm. um, worked in the kitchen at a, com- a convention center, conference center kind of place. Um, but did a few things here and there, um, mostly because she had kind of cut her whole life off to raise kids. Right. Um, so towards the later part of my, uh, my high school career, she actually got into teaching. And so awesome. she taught at a private school. Um, that didn't pay her hardly any money, right. specifically so that she could make sure her three sons got a great education. Yeah. And so uh, all three of us, me and my two younger brothers, got the chance to go to school there. And yeah. I mean, there was no other benefits. Right, right. Than like, other than, free school. Right. Than, you know, uh, we, we got taken care of. We yeah. had to work, you know, grow up in a great environment. Yeah. I My mom was a teacher, so I think that's awesome. She taught for 30 years. And uh, so that's, I, I love that. Um so what did you learn from your parents um, in those early years about working? And um, what what takeaways did you get from their, how they worked, watching them work? Um, the the biggest part of that uh, that I, I really feel is has been instilled in me, ingrained in me, if you mm-hmm. will, is my dad's work ethic. It wasn't necessarily always the smartest yeah. work ethic. <laughs> okay. But he had, he had drive. He yeah. had hustle. He yeah. had grit. And he had two sides of him. So he has this, um, you know, the, the clergy even, or the, mm-hmm. the pastoral side where he, he knows that the, my calling, whether it's 40 hours, 50 hours, 60 or 80 hours, yeah, you know, whether it's to, to do weddings or to do, 
funerals or, you know, to preach on Sunday, whatever that calling was, he fulfilled it. Mm -hmm. And then he had this hustle on the side that said, I still got to feed my kids. Yeah. And so I grew up doing roofing, doing siding, doing decks, cutting grass, like whatever my dad could get into to help pay the bills and feed four kids. We did. And uh, that part of my dad has transposed a, a, a ridiculous amount of confidence in me. Yeah. That I see my dad, who's a guy who made... You know, growing up, it was twenty eight grand a year for a guy who's got a master's degree in psychology. Wow. And <laughs> I, I in my mind I could never fathom why he would devote his life to ministering to prisoners when right. I'm like, Dad, you could be making great money with yeah. a great job and start your own practice. Yeah. Wasn't his calling. Yeah. Um, but he always used to tell me that part of what I'm here for is to make sure that my four kids come out of this. Right. To being better people. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's awesome. It was cool. Yeah, so, no, that's uh, great. So I feel incredibly blessed to know that um, I maybe have something that other people don't. Yeah. Because I had a dad who kind of yeah trained me the right way, I guess. Yeah. You know, or maybe not the right way, but a different way. I, I can imagine somebody that has stick stick to itness. Um, when you say I could do, I have the right to go and make as X amount of dollars, but I believe in what I'm doing so much, and this is that's a that's major and. It's interesting that you said that because I want to give you this quote and I want to kind of see what you think about it. It says, um, <clears throat> this is a, a quote from, um, from Marty Rubin and, and he's an author and he says, there ought to be a law against people doing work that they don't like or believe in. Do you like that quote? I, I, like I, that quote. What, I mean, what is that? What does that, um, bring up in you? Like, I mean, when you hear that quote. That actually, to me, that translates everything that helped me move from my previous career to where I'm at now. Yeah. Because growing up, you know, out of college and getting into the workforce, um, I worked in transportation and logistics for 10, 12 years. Um, and for some of the biggest Fortune 500 companies out there. Mm-hmm. And the goal was always to make more money. Yeah. To move up in ranks, to, to do more. You know what? What? It, that sucks more time out of your life mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. You know, I, as I was gaining ground in my career, I was finding statistics from within the company that said that, like, you know, half of our center managers have been divorced at least twice. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. the ones who aren't have a nanny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And yeah. Like, there's someone else to help fill that right. void. And so right. those kind of things kind of became a little more despondent to me with my own family and Lou, because at mm. the time I was starting a family. I was married for a few years and started to have kids and... I started to notice the more money I make working for someone else, the less time I have available to do anything. Wow. And so it was just like one day, and you know, that was, that was also the goal was one, I wanted to be able to provide for my family Mm -hmm. things I didn't have growing up. Mm -hmm. And so much so that I thought, I know one day my dad and mom who dedicated their lives to service may need somewhere to live. Yes. Because the even no matter what the state might provide them through their jobs, it's not going to be enough to live off of. Yeah. They're never going to be able to, to retire and stop mm-hmm. working. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad's already past retirement age now, and he's talking about in the next five to ten, right. I'd like to slow down. <laughs> like to just take a break. Right. Uh, maybe I could go fishing a little more. Yeah. But maybe not. Maybe yeah. i got to get another job. Who knows? Yeah. And so I always told myself that I'm going to try to do things a little different. And as I started making more money and I started climbing that ladder and I started seeing the fruits of that labor, I automatically saw my life declining with my mm, wife, with yeah, my kids. Yeah. Uh, I would have my little boys. And I know, you know, they say that uh, 
the innocence or ignorance of a child is, is bliss. And right. they would say things to me like, well, why can't you just stay home with me? Yeah. Why can't you go to the zoo with me? Yeah. I don't understand dad. Like you're supposed to be here for me. Yeah. Yeah. Coming out of a mouth of a three year old. Yeah. Right. You know? Who? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. He's a little tear up already. Yeah. Like, yeah. Man, yeah. That's, that's yeah. tough. Why, yeah. why can't I? And then uh, that conversation makes you lean in to your own life a little bit Yeah. and say, well, what am I doing at work that's either impacting the world mm. or changing the life of someone else that makes it worth missing my own? Wow. Yeah. And when that wasn't there, it was an easy, it was an easy transition uh, yeah. you know, to say, I got to do something different. Yeah. We were talking about that defining line um, uh, of how we make a decision. So somebody sitting out there listening to this podcast is thinking, I'm working in this cubicle land and I've just, I, I'm drained of it. I'm over it and I want to do something else. But we, we were just talking about what's that defining line? Because, um, you want to make sure you know when you want to make that jump. Because I think I'm of the belief that when that reason is strong enough, you will make the best jump and you will clear that jump and be successful. So, I mean, you, you have a great reason. You're like, <clears throat> I need to look at my work-life balance and say, what's more important here? And it seems like you chose life. So, but how did you get into insurance? I'm interested in that story. Like, how did you? Uh, <clears throat> honestly, from my background in, in being an executive uh, in, in management, it was part of my job to have that interaction with the insurance because part of my job was risk management of the companies I was running. Hmm. And so... I always saw it from kind of the consumer view of I'm buying um, a massive amount of insurance. When I owned my trucking company, I, I just told someone this yesterday that I spent about $250,000 a year <laughs> on insurance. Wow. And to think that as small as my company was, you know, nine, 10 trucks, you know, a handful of trailers and $2 million worth of contracts a year, that to be spending a quarter million dollars on insurance like what kind of money is that guy making on the back end of this? Who's who's coordinating these and yeah. setting these up? And so I had a, a little bit more of an intimate knowledge of how the insurance industry worked because of my dealings in um, my previous jobs. Mm -hmm. But also, my mother-in-law is an insurance agent and has been for twenty-three years, I think. So for the last eleven years that she's been in my life, it's been eleven years of her telling me you would make an amazing insurance agent. <laughs> yeah, like some of it is to do with. Uh, you know, your ability to talk to people. Some of it has to do with your, you know, your ridiculously intimate knowledge of business and how it works and how you can help people. And, uh, so that was kind of the, the big factor that said like, Hey, like take a look at insurance. But mm -hmm. a real big part of it for me was I said, I want to be able to make six figures. I yeah. want to be able to make, I'd like to make a half a million dollars a year yeah. because I'd like to have enough money that I can take care of my family my extended family, mm -hmm. and I, I, I'm incredibly involved with charities, with a Christian school I coach for, right. and I, I see these needs, and I'm like, if I had more money, I know I've got the heart. Right. If I've got more money, I know this school's going to have a better athletic program. Right. This this charity's never going to have to worry about that extra $1,000 they need right. to, to send this kid off to an event or something. Right. And so I, I just always said, well, if I can find a niche where I can utilize my skill set to make more money... I know that God's going to bless me with whatever I ask for because he knows where it's going to go. Right. You know, on the other yeah. end of it. Yeah. Um, so the opportunity got presented to me that like, hey, there's a, there's a, a spot if you're interested. 
Um, there's, you gotta kind of put a business plan together and that was a detailed spot. You know, I'm, I'm going to work for a company that's already existing <laughs> yeah, right? Right. and they still wanted uh, a six month, a 12 month, a 36 month and a 60 month business plan. Wow. What do, what do you think you can do? How do you think you can achieve it? And what kind of hustle and grit are you going to bring to the table to make it happen? Yeah. You know, where's that worth like work ethic come from? Mm-hmm. And so that was what kind of brought me to the insurance industry. Yeah. Um, and then from then it's just been just been a crazy it's ride been a, it's been a roller coaster. so now how long have you been doing that almost a year almost a year so yeah. this so you're you're really fresh into it and your first year what, what would you what's your evaluation of the first year almost uh there's a lot of different aspects to it of insurance it's it's hard it's yeah. it's really tough um it's a very saturated market it's like real estate there's a it's a mm. You know, there's only so many consumers yeah. and there's already a, a million people trying to sell them the same product. <laughs> yeah. So it really comes down to the, the nitty gritty of business and entrepreneurship is what can I do to build a relationship with somebody mm. to build a business? Yeah. And so if my business is going to succeed, it's going to be based off relationships. Yeah. And yeah. that's really the, the niche of any business, small business specifically. Yeah. That's great. Uh, I was just going to ask you that uh, when you think on this year... Um, what, uh, what trans, what transformation has happened in your family? Because we were talking about the reason why you made that leap. Now, has there been a transformation in your time or, or do you see some light at the end of the tunnel there? Cause I, I mean, it's your first year, obviously it's a, it's a bit of, it's a bit of work, but, um, you know, as that kind of comes down, do you see light at the end of your tunnel for more family interaction and yeah, definitely. Um, I'd like to say it was like night and day, but it's not, you know, starting your own business and stepping out into that world, um, brings a whole different level of responsibility. Um, and so you, one part of it is that I don't feel like I'm ever not working. Yeah. You know, I work 24 hours a day. Right. Um, but it's, it's being able to balance that life and family interaction in with your work. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. being in insurance, I, I work at, you know, while I'm coaching my kids baseball, right? I hear a parent tell me that, you know, I, I had a, a tree fall on my car and yeah. I called my insurance agent and get back to me for two weeks and wow. you know, blah, 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 blah. So they, I, I hear it and I just say, Hey, look, man, look, I, you can call my cell phone. Yeah. You know, let me, let me be different than that other guy. Yeah. Same product, same coverages, sometimes same price, yeah. but I'm different. Yeah. So give me a chance. Yeah. And so I was able to utilize my my family time to work as well. Yeah. So my if you ask my wife, she'll tell you Nathan's never not working. <laughs> we go to dinner, he gives yeah. his card to a waitress. You know, if we right. go we go to church, he shakes hands with the usher that he sees every week. Yeah. And gives him a card, says, Man, if you ever need anything, it's no pressure. If you need anything, just call me. Yeah. yeah. Even if even if I'm just an advisor, just let me let me help you out. Let me yeah. let me be that guy that gives you advice. That's interesting. Have you ever know have you ever thought about the the uh uh there seems to be a parallel, right? Your dad's in ministry, always there, on call. You're on call. Because you're a minister, people need you. They have a spiritual need or, or want you to pray or anything. And then, he, uh, but you're there for the day of need. And, and here you are, insurance agent. And really, honestly, you, the way you're successful in insurance, in, in my mind, is to be there in the day of that person's need um, when they need you, right? It, I just see that parallel. That is a fantastic parallel. Do you ever think about that? Uh 
I never really thought about it, but it's been brought up to me a couple of times where people are like, man, you're just like your dad. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I never thought I was striving for that, you know, yeah, but yeah. I guess if, you know, if you called him at three in the morning and said, I need you to pray for me, yeah. he's praying. Yeah. If you called me at three in the morning and say, my house is on fire, I need to go to a hotel, I'm going to come get you and put you in a hotel. Yeah. You know. Now that's amazing. That's just kind of the crazy way that life works, I guess. I mean, and I think honestly, like I always ask those questions about life, your early life and what did you see? What did, what, what shaped it? And then, and now I kind of see for myself, your parents were in service. Now you're making money for yourself, but you're still serving people. That's amazing. I love that. I yeah. love that. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, when you think about what drives people to seek a change in their job, um, what what comes to mind? What for for those people out there that may not, maybe they don't have uh, children or you know, b- but they're like, I gotta get, I gotta get this, uh, I gotta get out of this this job. What kind of things might they be thinking when they hear it in their own minds? So like, if there's something going on in their thought process in their mind, can you define it and go that right there is gonna lead you somewhere? You're thinking it. Yeah. Yeah. There there was kind of a defining moment for me where. It was actually at my previous job where I tried to motivate my team. I tried to engage my my traders and my logistics coordinators, and I tried to you know bring the group together. And I used to put a motivational quote up every day. Every day, I'd go in at 6 a.m., write this stuff on the board, and then when we came in and did our meetings, it was something I brought a point to. And one day, the motivational quote is really that moment that it hit me was, every day you go to work, you're building someone else's dream. <laughs> Every day you work for yourself, you're building your dream. Wow. And I, I wrote that and I read it and I was like, so we need to build this dream. And I'm giving the speech. And then like like 12 hours later, I'm laying in bed at night and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I can't build this guy's right. dream. I don't right. even know who he is. Right. He won't I, invite me to the house. I need to do this myself. <laughs> yeah. And so it was a that was that moment that like the gears were already turning. And, you know, like you said, what's that thing in their head is. If at any point in your thought process of, wow, this is really mismanaged or this is really poorly coordinated, or I think we could do this stuff better, especially if you can put dollars and cents to those words, Mm -hmm. like, hey, we're doing things X, Y, Z, and it costs this. We can do it ABC. It saves us money. That right there, that little inkling is all it takes for you to be able to go out and run a business. (laughs) You're like, all right, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. You You take that thought of... I think this could be done better. I know we could we could improve. Yeah. But yeah. when you're in a when you're in a company, you're against uh, the red tape, the yeah. bureaucracy, the politics. Exactly. Somebody else is trying to get credit for that idea. <laughs> exactly. But when when you go out and start your own business, you know you might start in your garage. Yeah. It might move to a storefront. It might move to a high rise. But when you know when Trump Tower turns into you know, Damon Tower or yeah. whatever that case is. That's you. That's that's yeah. your dream. Yeah. That's being built and living out right there. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. Um, <clears throat> I want to go before we go into lessons learned. I was I was just going to say um, there's I read this book called the 10 percent entrepreneur. I don't know if you've ever read it, but basically this guy, it's a fantastic idea. If you I'll try to like link I'll try to give a link to it in the in the description of the podcast. But um, the book basically says you don't really have to quit your job to be an entrepreneur you can like find ways to keep your regular job because he's like because people sometimes jump so high so fast 
they're like, I'm ruining my I ruined my life. But um, there's a way to keep your job and still do a job on the side or uh, like have a side hustle yeah. and stuff like that. Do you think that some people out there may need to be in that category? And if they're going to be in that category, um, what do you think they need to do to balance it, balance the work and their their secondary job? Well, I will tell you, I have a few friends who have done that. They started uh, like a lawn care business or a landscaping business or even a, a deck building business. And they had to keep their full-time job because you still got to pay bills. Yeah. You still got to feed the kids. Yeah. And you still, and honestly, you got to find a way to fund your new, your new adventure. Yeah. Um, but really like they're, what, what I would like to see them doing. And I, some of them have the family life that they have to kind of balance. Um, some of them I felt like was a great example of my dad was he had this side hustle. He had a way to earn money yeah. and he could have easily developed a business if he ever wanted to. Right. He didn't want to. He wanted right. to stay in ministry. Right. But for him, it was like, well, I'm going to sacrifice family time to go make money, which I have to do. But his way of incorporating it was, I'm going to take my three boys with me. Oh, okay. And so now I've got three kids and he's like, people would, you know, go out to do a roof and people would look at him like, why are you dragging three middle school, junior high kids out on this roof? <laughs> right. And then 30 minutes into it, when you've got an eighth grader who's laying down shingles like a professional and they're like, wow, <laughs> yeah, your right. kid's really into this. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, yeah, I couldn't do it without him. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? right, right. And so some of that is uh, being able to balance out those, those little pieces of it of like, if you're going to do lawn care. Maybe you do it in the evenings. Yeah. Maybe you do it before work. Maybe you do it on the weekends. And you find that time that you can make it work for you and your family. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it depends on the, the type of hustle you're trying to get into, you know? Yeah. I, I, I have a client who owns a Petri company. Started when he was 17. And his hustle was that on the weekends, he would go to farmer's markets. And that's how he got people to start buying wow. and trying his treats. Well, currently, like today, he's actually closing on the acquisition of his business. He's being bought out wow. by a venture capitalist group. <laughs> oh, wow. 22-year-old kid is going to be a millionaire. Yeah. Right? Just because just he ran an idea. Just because he ran with an idea. Yeah. And um, he was in high school when he started it. He put himself through college. And so he's doing all of this, much like having a full-time job, on the side. He did stuff in the evenings. It was working his QuickBooks, his orders, his emails, his yeah. phone calls in between classes or on the evenings you know, on the weekends whatever whatever it did yeah. and uh, he made it work wow That's and then amazing. he got out of you know got out of business school and he turned it into a full job and within a year you know with a little bit of guidance and advice from from those in his life yeah he's a multi-millionaire now now he's like I live in I live in Jamaica well, I live I, on the, right on the beach I go wherever I feel like <laughs> right, yeah <laughs> I work from wherever I feel right um, what Tesla do I want to drive <laughs> yeah exactly yeah I'm wearing burgundy suit yeah okay I'll drive the red one it's no big deal <laughs> so lessons learned I want to talk about that a little bit um, how did uh, the life change uh, where you decide to jump into your own business um when you did that, what kind of things were surprising to you? What was a surprise like? Well, I didn't know that was going to be there. I'll tell you, for me, I, I feel like my background in business prepared me for everything. But what it didn't prepare me for was doing everything. Uh, so I knew everything I needed to know going in. Like right. I, these are the these are the T's and the I's. They got to be crossed and dotted, right. you know. But when you actually come to doing something, that kind of caught me off guard. Like. I didn't realize running books yeah. <laughs> was so intensive right. and so time consuming. And then if I was to pair that with a lesson learned, it would be 
don't try to do everything. Don't try. To there do are there are distinct pieces of your business that you are you are going to fail at. You will not be good at. Yeah. That's why there's professionals. <laughs> you know, yeah. hiring a, a local CPA to run your books and do your taxes. Yeah. Can be the difference in you paying in six grand or you getting six grand back. <laughs> you know. Yeah. True story. And so it's I know I, I've had people. My dad, one for example, refuses to have someone do his taxes because he's like. I'm a minister. I don't make much money. Blah, 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 blah. Like he has these reasons. Yeah. But then I tell him like, do you write this off? Do you write this off? Do you write this off? And he's like, no, I don't even itemize. I'm like, but you can. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. You're you're giving the government free money. You you currently should write all that off. (laughs) Right. Right. Get some of that money back. (laughs) Right. Right. So that was, that was something that stood out to me is I thought I could do it all because I, I I will never say I know it all. Yeah. I know about it all. Right. I know a little bit about all of it. Yeah. And so I thought that was enough for me to jump into it and say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to spearhead it, ramrod it, and I'm going to take it to the home plate, you know? Yeah. But you hit first base all of a sudden, you're like, I don't, Uh, I don't don't have time to do this. I don't have, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't have time. I run into that a lot. My business is driven off of sales. Yeah. I can sell. I can go find a business and bring it on, but it's the back support. Yeah. That bogs me down. Yeah. Service work and taking pictures and uploading stuff to the system. I correlate that with every time I do this, that's someone else I'm not talking to. Yeah. That's another relationship I'm not building. That's another hand I'm not shaking. Yeah. That's another hug I'm not giving out. Right. And I, I distinctly correlate every aspect of my, my business with what I know I'm great at. Yeah. Yeah. If I can give Terrence a hug today and it's going to turn into business later on. Boom. I'm going to do it. Yeah. But if I can't, because I got to stick paperwork in a file, I need to find something to stick paperwork <laughs> I, I in a file. I do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's something that, uh, another entrepreneur friend of mine said to me and, and really honestly has been tough to take because he's like, he's like, how much value is in what you're doing right now? Is it worth paying someone else to do it? Because if it is, you need to pay someone to do that. Exactly. And I was like, but I don't have any money in my own business yet. You know, um, so like, it, listen, what do you say to a person that's like, I haven't, is there, is there, a, should we expect a season of, I got to do everything because I haven't really. At the beginning. Yeah. You got to do everything. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's what I was getting I mean, at. Unless you're like a trust fund baby. <laughs> you just, you just got it. Yeah. But you, you really do. You're. Yeah. I will tell you, uh, for example, Chase and his pet treat company mm-hmm. is at the beginning, he was packing the treats. So he's actually putting them in the bags himself. Yeah. He was putting them in boxes. He was fulfilling his own orders. He was running his own distribution. Yeah. He was talking to his own buyers and, you know, sales reps. So he was, he did every aspect of that. He did his own accounting. He paid wow. his own bills. Yeah. And then all of a sudden when he went from making a hundred grand a year as a business, you know, with, I don't know. in profit that you're dumping back in the business. Of course. It it all changes when he's a million dollar company or $2 million company. Now he's like, I have, I can't pack bags. (laughs) You cannot pay somebody to do this. (laughs) Yeah. Because my time is better spent setting up the next deal. Yeah. Bringing on the next client. Yeah. You know, hooking up with the next store. Yeah. And if I, if I do that, that's a million dollar deal. If I pack boxes, that's a $10 an hour job. Just throw things in a box. Yeah, let, let that be a lesson to you. If you go to Amazon and Jeff Bezos is down there on the floor boxing things up, walk away. <laughs> just, just be like, nope. The man who makes two hundred seventy-five million yeah. dollars. He is, right. he is not boxing a thing, right? He doesn't. His time do, is better spent <laughs> elsewhere. I bet you has people unbox his stuff. Like, probably. You, I can't get in there. Could you? <laughs> you just cut that up for me. Um, 
So uh, the other thing I was going to ask you is um, what surprised you about this journey? So you, you, so I was asking what, what, what lessons did you learn from it? But what was some pleasant surprises? Um, the biggest surprise that I enjoyed was the support and delight of my family. Nice. I know making that jump or talking about making that jump, I got a lot of grief. You know, especially from my dad yeah. coming from, you know, his, his point of view was you make so much money. You have all these things that you, you've been blessed with. Why would you give it up? Yeah. And when I told him, like, you know, I don't have the time to experience life with my kids like you did with me. Yeah. He was like, all right, that's it. Wow. That's enough. Wow. That's enough right there. That is fantastic, man. I mean, that speaks so much to people prioritizing their family because he gives you this look at life that says now you're right because you're you're not saying man i got a headache my health is bad you're like no man i want what i had with my folks and i want to make sure my kids have that i want that that um that uh to go on and on and on down the generations yeah that's awesome man. family dinner you know i want to have those crazy friday nights when you're running between (laughs) basketball games right you know and yeah I remember my parents, like, my dad's, like, rolling in in a suit and a tie at a game. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, I, like, he's just, I, I made it before the tip-off. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, you know, in my mind, I'm like, my dad made every game yeah. that was within at least a, a two-hour drive of, yeah. of our farm. Yeah. He was at every one. Wow. That's not, not many parents or no. kids at all can say that their parents were that involved. Parents right there next to school just drop them off and be like, all yeah. right, call me when you're done. <laughs> yeah, come back when you, text me when you make it back. <laughs> Um, for someone that's on the fence of, uh, whether or not the insurance game is something that they want to get into, um, that kind of process, can you give us a kind of a quick synopsis of what they need to do? Um, and one gotcha that they need to watch out for if they're getting into the insurance business, something that they need to be aware of so that they get it set up right. I would tell you that uh, the biggest hang-up that I see is uh, specifically that people feel like they know a lot of people, mm-hmm. or people think that they can go out and talk to people. <laughs> well, if you think you can talk to people, sit down and have a conversation with somebody about what's going to happen to their family when they die, mm-hmm. because that's a game-changer for an insurance agent. Wow. The minute that... Uh, a family comes in and says, I want to buy life insurance. Okay, well, let's have this conversation. Mm-hmm. What do we need to do to set your, you and your family up for that time when and if it happens? And I've seen agents who are just like, nah, I'm good. Like, I can't do that. I'm not talking. I don't want to talk about death. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's part of being an insurance agent. You're there to help them through every time of their life. Yeah. Every aspect, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. Whether they're having babies, whether they're graduating from high school, or whether someone's passing away you know, early in life or at the end of life, yeah. it's all part of life and it's how we have to deal with it. And all of, all of my goals uh, wrapped around that are how can I help this family transition through this process? Wow. How yeah. can I set them up to make sure that they're not going to lose their house, that they're not going to, you know, forego their college education now because of uh, an unforeseen circumstance. And so for me, that was a big piece of it is I have a background of, like you said, servitude coming mm-hmm. from my parents. Mm-hmm. And for me to be able to sit down and say, like, hey, listen, this is a need that you and I have established. Here's some solutions. 
But here's also the planning aspect of it. What's going to happen when Terrence is gone? What's going to happen when I'm gone? Yeah. Well, how can I prepare my family for that? Mm-hmm. And so that's a big, for me, that was a big aha moment yeah. of like, not only am I selling insurance, but I'm helping people. Yeah. And it, it, it came easy to me because I want to help them. Right. But I see other insurance agents who have kind of come and gone in the game or they, they struggle through pieces of it. And it's because the servant attitude isn't there. Mm. They don't have the desire to help. They just think, I'm going to sell, I'm going to sell, I'm going to sell. Make this money. I'm going to make some money. Yeah. Well, it's part of it's about making money. Yeah. Part of it's about protecting the people that you, you work for. Yeah. And so if you can't sit down and have those tough conversations, insurance is not for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or if you're not willing to be on call. Yeah. If you're not willing to take those those tough questions of, yeah. you know, hey, my kid did something. Is this covered? Yeah. Can you come help me? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, can we get out of the ditch? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, if you're not willing to be that guy, then I don't, you know, I don't yeah. think you'll last long in the insurance business because wow. my, my biggest factor of my growth that I, I've been able to um, notice, you know, audibly and... Um, physically see the growth come from is referrals, not from partners that send me business, mm-hmm. but from clients. Mm-hmm. We'll say, I called Nate, he answered his phone, or he texted me back, or he emailed me back right. within 30 minutes or an hour. And if I call his cell phone, he answers. Yeah. Because he doesn't know what I need. Yeah. Exactly. He doesn't know if I, he doesn't know if I'm upside down in a ditch. Yeah. Right. He doesn't know if my kid, uh, you know, is in the hospital and I'm, I need help. Yeah. So, that reputation is what's going to, you know, catapult you into the the successful realm. Wow. That's um, fantastic, man. I, I <laughs> that's a good answer. I love that. Um funniest story uh that you have, if you can tell it. <laughs> the funniest story this this year where you're like <laughs> you're like this I can't possibly believe this is happening. There's no way. Okay. <laughs> I have I have one that happened a month ago. Okay. I've already told the story three times because it blows my mind. I have a client who's a doctor, and he bought a half million dollar house. Young guy, moved, you know, moved his family and stay at home wife, three or four gorgeous kids. Get moved into the house, and uh, within two weeks, they call me and they're like, "Hey, we can't live in our house." And I'm like, "What's going on?" And he said, "Our house is infested with bats." <laughs> what? So I said, well, you know, like we've, we've gone over this, yeah, um, vermin, that kind of stuff. Like there's a lot of little nuances that aren't covered under normal insurance policies. Right. So there's nothing I can do for you uh, on the claim side, but let me help you guys out. Well, you know, what can I do to be there for you guys? Yeah. And all he said was like, I'm going on vacation. <laughs> he said, I called an exterminator. <laughs> I'm going to disappear for two weeks. He's I'll like, call you when I get back. I'm out. Yeah, he's like, I'm out. And like, it. I've had like I literally have had like repeated that story like three or four times oh, because people are like, well, you know, have you seen anything crazy? I'm like, I saw something crazy. <laughs> Did you go over there and see the? Bed? I haven't. Oh. He told me it was like quarantined off. He's like, yeah, he's like, the health department said we can't go in the house. Till the bats are gone. <laughs> well, oh my god, it was crazy. That is crazy. It was crazy. Boy. Well, before I go, we're about done, but I, I always do this lightning round. So it's five questions um, that I ask every guest. Um, so I'll start. I, I don't ask the same questions, though. I will say that. Fair enough. Okay. I don't ask the same questions, but favorite book? Oh, Financial Peace by Dave Ramsey. I took that class. It was good. I like that book. What is your 
best bucket list item? If you had to look at all your bucket list items, no matter where they are on there, what's the one that you're like, I love this one the most? <laughs> Currently? Yeah. I always dreamed, it was on my bucket list, to meet the Dallas Cowboys. And I was in Las Vegas for a conference, and I got to meet Emmett Smith. Oh, oh, wow. And I got to get an autographed football from him. Wow. Okay. And I can tell you that man has got arms the size of trees. <laughs> He's a lot shorter. Oh, yeah. In real life. Yeah. Than the camera made him look. <laughs> he just looked, he looked tall when he looked he's like running. A beast. Yeah. He like a beast. <laughs> all those short legs, man, all that power in there. I know. That guy was. I know. But anyway, Emmett Smith was awesome. Got that's, to hang out with him awesome. for a few minutes. He was a cool, cool guy. That's awesome. Um, what's your favorite quote? Um, I could not tell you who the author of this is, but currently my favorite quote is, if you think you've built something big yesterday, like, I don't remember how it goes, but it's like, if you, if you haven't built something bigger today, yeah. then it really wasn't that big. <laughs> wasn't it that big? It wasn't that big. Don't I, worry about it. Like, I love that. You need to keep aspiring to, <laughs> yeah, keep, to increase. Keep doing more. Yeah. Um, what's the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I have ever received probably came from my mom. And she said, just love your wife. Love your wife. I love that. That's great. That is some tremendous advice. We need that. Um, this is our last question. And in your mind, what should be first and foremost in the mind of every entrepreneur starting out? What should be first and foremost in their mind? First and foremost is to do something if you're going to start a business, do something that you're passionate about and something that you enjoy. Because if you're going to be doing it, you better like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that makes If you don't enjoy it, it's going to be just as miserable as going to someone else's job. <laughs> yeah, that's right. For sure. Well, Nick, I really appreciate you joining me. This has been a fabulous interview. I really appreciate that. I hope that our guests uh, will come back and join us again. Definitely. Um, if you need insurance, Nick Essery. Nate Essery. Nate Essery. God, Nate Essery. right there. Yeah. <laughs> Check out Nate. I will put some information about him on the advertisement so you can get in touch with him. If you're in the Missouri area, do you go outside of Missouri? Not currently. But Not we're currently. On that. Okay, we so it, you know, I got a lot of friends in Kansas and whatnot. So mm -hmm. if you want a good, solid guy that cares about you and not just about the business, this is your guy. All right, thank you, Nate. Thank you for having me on, Terrence. I All appreciate right. it. Awesome.